communion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. As I was thinking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, I've been thinking about, and I will read in just a second, the benefits of this table. As we gather this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to maybe go through a tradition that you've done lots of different times. Or maybe this morning you'll actually pause for just a minute and say, what are the benefits of this table? And so this morning you've already sang, all of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I don't know what season you're in. I know he's still God. I don't know what the circumstances of life are today or what they're going to be like six weeks from now or 25 years from now if we get that long on this earth. I don't know, but he will still be God. And you will have an opportunity to sing. It could be your complaints, it could be your aggravations, it could be your disappointments, and all those things are normal. And we do them at times. Or it could just say, you know, Lord, I'm going to sing your name because you are God. You are faithful. So this morning, before I say much more, I want you to say to me, maybe in a short phrase or What's a benefit of this table for you this morning? As you gather as a family, what is one benefit that will take place because you have a personal relationship with Christ that reminded you of this as you you gather at this table? What's a benefit of this table? Give me a benefit. Grace. Hope. Hope. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Eternal life. Peace, redemption, salvation, faithfulness, love. What else? Mercy. Mercy. Strength. He directs our path. Direction. Okay. What else? Remember. Remember. It's just pausing to remember. Okay. What else? Yeah, there's intimacy for what he's done for us, okay? Change. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good one. Goodness. Trust. Rebirth. Spiritual growth. Honesty. Repentance. Okay, I and he is in me, I am in him. Okay. The debt has been paid from an accountant. There it comes. Boom, yes. All his accounting terminology has come out. What else? Freedom. I think it's important for us as sons and daughters of the one who died for us, to pause and remember what he did for us in appreciation. Just to pause and be reminded as some of the things that you've said. Psalm 103, if you have your Bible, go to Psalm 103. I realize as we gather around this table, as I was thinking about um, this table and the opportunity to be together with you this morning as a family um, around this table, I thought about the benefits um, This morning I thought about, as you read Psalm 103, we read 
um, last week about David. Here's another psalm of David. Um, You read in Psalm 103, verse 1, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost beings, praise his holy name. There's, There's a thankfulness in David's soul. And I don't think that thankfulness came naturally. I think the thankfulness came because he paused to remember what his God did for him. And I think thankfulness is something that is learned. And so this morning as we gather and you open up a passage of Scripture, praise the Lord, O oh my soul, all of me, I innermost beings, praise his holy name. And then David's going to give us a list of some things. Most of you, if you've read this psalm, you read it. Um, and so you read it fast and we don't pause and, and kind of break our thoughts down as we go through this psalm. But I want you to think about this before we read any more in Psalm. This table is an opportunity of salvation no matter what time frame we have ever lived in life. And it will always be an opportunity for that. For people to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. The other thing that I get excited about this table, and you've already mentioned it, is there's opportunities for spiritual growth today because of this table. I recognize that all of us have a tendency to get stuck in life, situations, burdens, concerns, and there's always, there's, you can name it in 3,000 different ways. But when we gather around this table, it's an opportunity for us to pause and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to be stuck in life. I will not allow the circumstances of life to dictate how I act. And that's spiritual growth. I reminded you last week that you're all one day closer to death. Now you are one week closer to death than you were last week. But are you one week more spiritually mature this week than you were last week? Are we one week more willing to say, okay, Lord, your word is your word, and not that I just want to comprehend it or have information or have head knowledge, but I want it to transform my life from the inside out. I was talking with Susan um, this morning, yesterday, and it's becoming more and more prevalent to see the world infiltrate the church. And what I mean by that is we are adopting the world's philosophies of life and we are walking away from the truth of Scripture. And it's happening at a fast, fast rate, even in the United States of America where you've got Bible teaching, commentaries, whatever Bible you want to read, you can get 25 different versions of your Bible now. But it's fascinating to me how many people now say, well, that, that's, that's just the Bible, and I don't want that to be part of my life. I don't want that to be the absolute authority in my life. Well, if the Bible's not the absolute authority in your life, then none of these benefits will apply to you today. Because these benefits only happen because of God's grace to you that was sent to you through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. You would not have this if you didn't have Jesus. You have this if you have Jesus. So this morning, I want you to look at the verse um, to praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Here's the first one. Who forgives all your sins. What's well, been thinking about forgiveness. Do you realize, and as you define the word forgive, That forgive is a choice. There's action involved in this. To forgive, you stop a feeling of anger towards someone. 
you stop blaming someone. To forgive someone or something of what they were that what they did wrong towards you. That's a choice. Forgiveness could be described as this to stop requiring payment of money that is owed. Forgiveness cost. This table cost. So as you read through Psalm 103, and I'm excited about that I get forgiveness of my sin. But I pause to remind myself that there was a payment made so that I could have forgiveness. And I pause myself because if you're anything like me, there's individuals that aggravate you or frustrate you or let you down or say things to you, and then you got to go buy them at Walmart or Kmart or wherever you go, you will bump into them. The Lord always puts them in your path. And you have a tendency to say, I didn't see that person in public. I'm going to go down this aisle. And some of it, I understand, is time, and you got to get your list done. And if you go talk to so-and-so, you're going to be there another 25 minutes. I understand that. But there's other people that you see, and there's something that comes up inside of you. You're like, they did me wrong, and I am not going to be nice to them. I'm going to make them pay. And so you go, and so you haven't forgiven. You haven't said, no, Lord, I'm going to lay that down. It's going to cost you something. And if you're not willing to pay, then the people that are around you, it's going to cost them because you will become bitter. You will not become a better person. You will become bitter, and you will destroy the people that are around you. Forgiveness this morning. He made a choice to forgive us. Here's something else I love. He forgave all. All. Don't read over that very fast because I know that we are all have lots of sin. And we have a tendency to think, well, Lord, you just forgave that person in prison. No, he forgave all of your sin of yesterday. He will forgive all of your sin today. That's a benefit. You know, also it's very interesting that David said this very clearly. Who forgives all your sins? He forgave your sins today. You paused. All the times that you were lying, you were cheating, you were laughing at people, you were coveting the thoughts that you had. Here's one that I was thinking about. The unsaid words that you're older now, that you're thinking them, but when you were younger, you would just let them out. All those unsaid words that are still in your mind when you want to respond at a conversation or to your spouse or to whoever, what you really want to tell them, he'll forgive you of all of those unsaid words. May we never, ever get over the concept that this table provides forgiveness for all of your sin. Also this morning, as you read down this passage of Scripture in verse 3, and heals all your diseases. I've been wrestling with this. I've had some incredible friends die of cancer. God, why didn't you heal their diseases? I've had other friends that have just issues. I had lunch with a friend last week that I watched their mind is now beginning to start the process of dementia. And they're sitting across the table, one of the most precious people I know, sitting across the table looking at me, but there's no thoughts firing and to be able to respond back and forth in a conversation with us. 
It's just not there anymore. God, why? And I don't have all the answers for the why questions because I know you have them as well. But what I have learned or have I thought about is in the midst of all of our pain this morning, God still does heal. And I was reminded, take your Bible, go to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. I've got a lot of passages of Scripture that that I've been thinking about when it comes to heal all your diseases that, I, that I'll, I'll probably lift up, list them pretty quickly, but we won't go to all of them this morning. But I think it's something that's very important for us to remind ourselves about this. Exodus 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. All the way back in the book of Exodus. What I want to you to know this morning is that he is concerned about your suffering. I don't know what it is. But also, as I go through the New Testament, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, Mark 8, 31, Luke 9, 22, Acts 3, 18, all of those passages were about a Savior that was going to suffer. As I think about the disciples in the New Testament, all of them died. Why? Because they were not willing to say, we do not believe in Jesus. They suffered. Remind yourself of the Apostle Paul that asked the Lord, Lord, would you remove the thorn of my flesh? Would you take it away? God said, no. Because I want you to know in your weakness, then you will be made strong. We want this, God, just fix it now. Take care of my problems now, then I'll be happy. Well, I'm also reminded of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And you hear me say this often, the race marked out for us. It's predetermined. Heart attack, stroke, cancer, dementia, whatever. Whatever the suffering is, It's predetermined. What is our response to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him did not not say, I don't want to do this shame. I don't want to go through this pain. I don't want to go through this humiliation. He embraced the cross so that we would be gathered here this morning and be reminded of the benefits of the cross. I want you to see the next one, verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit and, and crowns you with love and compassion. Have you thought that your life has been redeemed from the pit of hell this week? That, this table should remind us of that. That I will not spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ because he was willing to die on the cross for my sin. And not only did he just say, hey, I want to redeem you from the pit. He has crowned you with what? Love. He loves you. Some of you might not even like you this morning, but God loves you. And it's not just a a love that's just, you know, the easy 
send the text message, I love you. It was shed blood and broken body. And it's not just love, it's love and compassion. How many of us are compassionate? Just get over your problems. Put a smile on your face and go on with life. What's wrong with you? May we never forget that we've been rescued from the pit and we've been given love and compassion. The last one, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many good things has he brought you this week just to encourage your soul? Just to remind you that he is God. Just to show you his faithfulness. And what's really interesting is, read on with me, verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Aren't you thankful that your God is not like your parents? Because parents do not have a tendency to be slow to anger and abounding in love. Parents have a tendency to say, would you straighten up? What's wrong with you? How could you make me look so bad? How could you be so foolish? What is wrong with you? Don't you know your last name is Patterson? Come on. But my heavenly father is a father that is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. We do not deserve this. We deserve hell. We do not deserve hope. We do not deserve satisfied with good things so our strength will be renewed. We do not deserve love and compassion. We do not deserve redemption from the pit. We don't deserve those things. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for all those who fear him. So far as east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression. That's communion. So this morning we're going to take a minute and celebrate communion. But I, before we go to the communion table and before we um, just enter into something that's you know pretty normal, pretty routine, I want to remind you of one one passage of scripture this morning. And this is not a communion verse, but it's a verse that the Lord displaced in my heart probably just for me this morning, but maybe it'll be a blessing to you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
This table is a table that demonstrates the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so no matter what goes on, no matter, no matter how heavy your burdens are, you have power inside of you. All because of this table. All because of the cross. All because of the empty tomb. And all that is received by faith. And I won't uh, ramble on here, but I just, this communion table is open to anyone who has a personal relationship with Jesus. What does that mean? Is that you've recognized God's provision for you. What was that? He sent his son to die on the cross for your sin. This table is open to any man or woman that is willing to respond this way, to believe on the free gift of salvation. This table is for you. If you've accepted the free gift of what was done on the cross 2,000 years ago, this table is open for you. It's not what we deserve. It's a gift. It's unmerited favor. By grace alone, through faith alone, Christ alone. But I also remind you this morning before the men come that in 1 Corinthians there were some spiritually immature people and they thought they could say, you know what, it's no big deal. I'll just... I'll just go communion. Nobody will really know, and and they won't know what sin's going on in my life, and so it, it really doesn't matter. It's just communion. I remind you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that some have fallen asleep because they played game with sin in their life, and they took communion thinking it didn't matter. It matters. So if there's something going on, if there's a relationship that's not reconciled, if you're living in open sin, just pass the cup. Don't let it, Don't mess with it. I say this probably every communion. We do not have cameras in our facilities watching who does and who does not take communion. We will not come to you. We don't have like a little speak secret person in the eagle's nest saying, hey, row 33, person here, go there, move. You know, watch that person afterwards, get to them. We don't have anybody up there. We're not doing that, okay? This is you and Jesus. So don't take communion because your neighbor does. So as the men come, we'll just have a just a moment of quiet, opportunity for you and Jesus to do business this morning. If there's need to be some sin confessed, then you can confess your sin. If you just need to have a just a time of you reconciliation, this time is yours as the men comes and we just play something maybe quiet, Nancy, and then we'll um some quiet music this morning. Just your your time to pray this morning, you and your father. So, Father, as we gather as a family this morning, as the music is played and the table is in front of us, 
Father, may our hearts be filled with joy this morning. Because 2,000 years ago, you came up with a plan to send your one and only son to a place called earth, be born in a stable, laid in a trough, to walk in Israel and be crucified on a cross. Three days later, you rose him again. And we never get over that. May the, the, the reminder of the benefits of this table be etched in our soul. Father, we thank you for allowing us to have life today. We thank you for allowing us to celebrate what it looks like for us to be a servant what it looks like to pause and to be reminded of the substitute that was willing to do whatever his father asked him to do so we could have life today. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's words are this. What I received from the Lord, what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said this. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you realize they did not break his body? He gave it to him. He said, I will die. There were not enough soldiers to hold him down to beat him, to nail him to the cross. It wasn't enough. He chose to be a servant. He gave. Jesus, we are gathered in a small community amongst the a group of family members, brothers and sisters in Christ, celebrating what you chose to do. On the night that you were betrayed, you gave the disciples some bread, and you said, Here, here's my body which is given for you. You broke the bread, and then you gave your body. So, Father, may we be sons and daughters that model that. May we be willing to give sacrificially our lives out of our lives, to look more like you, that our actions are more like you, Jesus. Thank you for giving your body for us. In your name I pray, amen.
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. Sorry, I'm going to make a mess here. Okay, thank you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. In my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So today I pause to be reminded that his blood was shed for me. And life only comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your blood that you gave to us through giving us Jesus, that you allowed him to be nailed to a cross to take his last breath, and then three days later he rose again. So my life will never be the same because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and my forgiveness will only come through that. So I pause to remind myself of that. I pause to remind our family about that. So may we find our strength in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being willing to shed your blood for us. In your name I pray. I want you to stand with me. I want to end with two passages of Scripture this morning. The first one, if you need a, a word of encouragement, I go back to what we opened our, our service with this morning. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with, with joyful song. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made you, and you are His. You are His people his son, his daughter, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And then Matthew chapter 5. You are the light, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Go and serve your Father. You are dismissed.